those cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And now we can officially say our favorite phrase, football is back. Yesterday, we had the first full college football Saturday of the year. And just four days from when I speak these words, the 2021 NFL regular season kicks off in Tampa as Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers host Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. And joining us to preview that and all other week one matchups, plus other news and notes from around the National Football League, is my right-hand man, Hal Bent, of Full Press Coverage and BostonSportPage.com. Hal, it is so, so awesome to be back together for a full, relatively normal season of NFL football, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great, David. Thank you. Glad to see you're doing great. Um, so excited for this NFL season to start. Uh, last year was just too much strangeness, and we're ready to go back to as close to normal as we can get. Indeed, Hal, and let's start off this 2021 NFL regular season with another game that I like to call good idea or bad idea. In this game, we will analyze decision recently made by a team, and you tell me whether it was a good idea or bad idea and why. And we start with your New England Patriots. Was it a good idea or bad idea for the Patriots to release Cam Newton and hand over the reins to Mac Jones right from the get-go? David, I'm going to go with a good decision on this one. I think. you know, Cam Newton is one of those polarizing figures where if you're going to pull the Band-Aid off and give the job to Mac Jones, you can't risk the locker room being divided. And Cam Newton is nothing if not a great teammate, respected by all the players, and somebody that I'm sure many of the younger players on the team grew up with Cam Newton posters on their wall. Um, you know, he was, he is, you know, when, I mean, when Cam came into the NFL, it was Cam mania, um, and that peaked in 2015 with the MVP. Um, so yeah, I mean, for, for, you can't risk that locker room of having half the, half the team on Mac Jones and half on, you know, Cam's side. I think Belichick made the right decision. I think Mac Jones won the job. I think he played much better than certainly I expected. And I think even better than the coaches in New England expected. So, yeah, I think it was a great idea. You had to, um, you know, make the move. He forced their hand and you've got to do what's best for the team, as Belichick always says. And I think in this case, letting Cam go keeps, you know, that one message, one team, all going in the right direction. Indeed, I agree the Patriots did the right thing there. And now on to the Denver Broncos. Was it a good idea or bad idea for the Broncos to name Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback over Drew Locke? I mean, this is a tough one, but I'm going to say it's a good idea. The, the Denver defense is playoff caliber right now. Um, you know, another year, more injuries, Drew Locke, has the potential to develop still maybe but for 2021 if you're going to make a run for the playoffs this year you've got to go with the best quarterback and Teddy Bridgewater is is the best short-term answer right now so little hedging but good idea 
Yeah, especially uh, since Teddy Bridgewater's style of play complements a great defense very well, doesn't it? Exactly. And now on to my other favorite team, the Chicago Bears. Is it a good idea or bad idea for the Bears to begin the season with Andy Dalton under center as opposed to Justin Fields? We both know the answer to that. If Andy Dalton's involved, it's about the worst idea you can come up with if it involves him playing. I'm sorry. Andy Dalton hasn't been a good quarterback in about three or four years. And, you know, seeing the teams that are are pushing forward with the the young quarterbacks, like we just talked about, the Patriots are doing it. The Jets are doing it with Zach Wilson. Jacksonville's doing it with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I just don't see why you have Justin Fields who can be such an impact player for that team and needs the repetitions, needs the NFL experience and playing Andy Dalton in front of him just makes absolutely no sense. While I agree with you, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment. You saw what happened with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati last year behind an absolutely dreadful offensive line. The Bears probably have one of the five worst offensive lines in football. And a lot of people think that sitting Justin Fields for as long as possible will actually help his development because it'll avoid having him get into those bad habits behind a a very bad offensive line. Um, What is your rebuttal to that? Well, it's hard. You know, Justin Fields is certainly going to be much more mobile than Andy Dalton. Um, If you're going to stick somebody behind a bad offensive, Offensive line, a statue like Dalton isn't really a good idea. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're saying, hey, you know, by midseason, Dalton will be so beat up, Fields will be in there anyways. But, you know, uh, Chicago, you got to be looking to win games, and, and Justin Fields is your best chance to win. Um, and, you know, when you've got that bad <laughs> offensive line, somebody who can move is only going to help, not hurt. I agree, Hal. Uh, Justin Fields is far and away the best quarterback on the Bears roster right now, and they should go with him ASAP. And now on to the 49ers. Is it a good idea or bad idea for the 49ers to hold Trey Lance out of practice until week three so the small chip fracture in his hand can fully heal? Yeah, good idea. Get him 100%. I mean, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo. He's taken that team to a Super Bowl in the past. Um, You know, get Trey Lance hundred percent healthy and then bounce back out there with that two quarterback offense to make defensive coordinators sweat it out each week before they play San Francisco. Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting development to watch all season long in San Francisco. And now on to our favorite game, truth or exaggeration. You know how this game works. I make a statement and you tell me whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm telling an exaggeration. Why? And we start with the New York jets, Zach Wilson, who I originally panned the Jets for drafting rather than Justin Fields or Trey Lance has a far better chance of becoming the best quarterback from the 2021 class than most of us initially thought. I mean, yes, I panned him as well. So I'm going to join you on this one, David, and say, you know, he's certainly, um, you know, I mean, give the Jets credit. They brought, they threw him into the fire this offseason. Um, put him back there with no veteran in the quarterback room, um, nobody to potentially have him sit behind. They basically said, he's the quarterback. We drafted him to play. He's going to learn the offense and get out there. So, yeah, I mean, he's certainly, um, you know, in training camp, 
um, in the in the practices. He's looked very well. I mean, we'll see what happens week one, but the physical gifts are definitely there. And you can see where people make that comparison to, you know, Aaron Rodgers or uh, Brett Favre when you see that little gunslinger activity back there in the pocket. And just the way the ball leaves his hands is that is what gets people with the Aaron Rodgers comparison there. The ball's out and it's on target in a hurry. So he's going to be very, very interesting. And, you know, the, I, I thought the Jets screwed up horribly, um, not, <laughs> you know, not winning the Derby. Uh, for Lawrence, but hey, you know, if they can get that consolation prize and it works out, maybe a little bit of truth here and not an exaggeration that uh, he could, uh, Wilson can definitely, is looking better than I expected at this point. Yes, and I hope Zach Wilson eventually proves all of us wrong that doubted him. And staying with the Jets, Robert Sala is the best possible man to help make the Jets a consistently relevant franchise, truth or exaggeration. Oh, definitely a truth. They need somebody. I mean, no more Rex Ryan's over there. Uh, you know, they need somebody who's stable, who commands the respect of the team, who isn't intimidated by the New York media. I thought Salah was a slam dunk uh, hiring at the time. And I haven't seen anything that changes my mind on that. Uh, he is exactly what that team needed at this point in time. Uh, they needed somebody strong who could lead them with an, you know, um, he's, res and I think respect is the word. He's earned the respect of his players already. And he's that person that they need in that locker room. Yeah. Robert Sala, he is definitely one of the uh, five head coaches in the NFL. There I say that I would personally run through a brick wall a million times to play for. He is that good of a coach and he is that kind of leader and uh, it showed last year when the 49ers were absolutely decimated by those injuries on defense, yet he got a top six performance out of that. Exactly. I mean, he did, he should have had a job as a head coach last year. It, you know, again, it's the NFL hiring of the head coaches. We've talked about it before many times, David, um, you know, punishing the teams that do well, the coaches that are on winning teams um, where other teams are hiring them during the playoffs. And as their team, goes through the playoffs um, they miss out on opportunities so yeah Salas should have had a head coaching job last year well overdue and a great great pickup by the Jets and a great story he is the first ever Muslim head coach in NFL history a barrier breaker as well so I'm going to be rooting very hard for Robert Salah long term to succeed with an organization that has eluded success for far far too long and now on to the New Orleans Saints and let me take this opportunity to send all my heartfelt wishes to everybody in New Orleans and the Gulf Coast as you recover from Hurricane Ida. Our thoughts and prayers are with you, and we will do anything we can to support you. And with the Saints, Jameis Winston will have his best year as a pro in 2021. Truth or exaggeration? Ooh, uh, I'm going to say exaggeration. He had some pretty good years early on in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, it's hard following a legend. Just you know, just ask Cam Newton last year. You know, it's a it's a tough to step into those shoes. Um, you know, we talked about Teddy Bridgewater. They're still trying to replace Peyton Manning in Denver. Big shoes are hard to fill, and you know, outside of Aaron Rodgers, it's tough to step into them and succeed right away. I like Winston. I didn't think he was as 
bad as everyone, um, you know, piled on him in his Bruce Arians year with those, you know, where he was throwing pick sixes every game, but I don't think he's that bad of a quarterback. He's got a lot of talent around him. He's had years in the system, but he's no Drew Brees. So it's tough shoes to fill. You know, I'll just say a little bit of an exaggeration there. I think the Saints to take it a little step back with Jameis this year. I agree. And we stay in the NFC South where the Carolina Panthers will finish with a better record than the Saints this season. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, you know, it sounds like it should be an exaggeration, but I'm saying, no, no, no. I, you know, I, uh, I made my picks for the divisions and I've got Carolina ahead of New Orleans. So I'm going to have to go truth, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What makes you think the Panthers are going to uh, have a better record than the Saints this season? I mean, the Saints have been, the Saints have been due for regression. I mean, that team has duct taped and, you know, kept it together with the aging quarterback for so long. Um, you know, it's just so hard to maintain success in the NFL year after year after year. Um, so again, a, a first place schedule, no Drew Brees, uh, Carolina getting McCaffrey back, fresh start there at quarterback for Carolina as well. Um, it's just a, you know, Carolina wasn't as bad as they were last year. I mean, you know, you, you look at the injuries, um, Sam Darnold just getting away from Adam Gase. Um, we've seen Ryan Tannehill, what kind of effect that can have. So definitely a gamble worth taking. And I, I just think Carolina has a lot of talent on that team that, you know, with New Orleans due for a regression, I think they're due for a little bit of an upswing this year. And not just a lot of talent, a lot of super promising young talent, which we'll get to when we preview that uh, Panthers-Jets game, one of the more intriguing matchups of week one. And staying in the NFC, the Packers are the team that's best equipped to dethrone the Bucks in the NFC. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, that's a truth right there. I mean, just having, you know, if your quarterback is uh, Aaron Rodgers, you're in a pretty good position right there. Um, Devontae Adams playing for a contract. They've still got a solid defense there, solid offensive line, even with uh, Bacteri dinged up. So I, Green Bay, you can't count out Aaron Rodgers ever. They're always a threat to knock off whoever's in the NFC. Um, you know, the only way I'd say exaggeration is maybe I think the Rams can knock off uh, Tampa Bay. But other than that, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with the truth here. Yeah, I have my doubts about the Rams because I don't think their defense is going to repeat their amazing performance from uh, last season. And I think they might see a bigger regression than many think because of the loss of Brandon Staley and bringing in Raheem Morris. That remains to be seen, but that is a legit possibility. And the Packers, uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, implied that this could be the last dance, and I expect them to play their hearts out this year because of that. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah, you could see, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers forces his way out after this year and, you know, take some of that talent along with them, it would be a very, very interesting uh, situation there in Green Bay. Most certainly would. And now let's talk a little bit about fantasy football. Josh Allen, not Patrick Mahomes, will be the highest scoring quarterback in fantasy football this year. Truth or exaggeration? 
I'm saying exaggeration because I just told you I drafted Mahomes number <laughs> one overall. So Alan better not be. <laughs> so uh, definitely possible. Um, you know, Josh Allen just amazes me because coming out of college, I, I remember talking with you here, David, on the pod when we talked about these quarterbacks and we both kind of said, you know, can you teach accuracy? You know, this the, he's got a rocket arm and the ball's flying all over the place. You know, he's never going to, you know, that's not how the NFL works. And, and, you know, credit Buffalo, they, they had a vision. They took their time and, you know, year three, I mean, talk about a huge step forward uh, for Allen. So again, it's, uh, you know, is there going to be regression or is he still on the upswing? You know, so I'm going to go exaggeration, but I certainly could see, you know, he's not quite done with his advancement as an NFL quarterback and could be even getting better this year than he was last year. I definitely agree with that. And last but not least, in truth or exaggeration, Tom Brady is right in his comments about it being more difficult for the NFL to deal with COVID-19 this year, given the return to full capacity stadiums. Truth or exaggeration? Definitely a truth. Um, you know, I mean, just more people means more risk in this situation. And I don't blame the NFL for trying to get back to normal. I hope that, you know, everyone's still out there uh, getting vaccinated and following the protocols because I don't want to go back to last year of empty stadiums and uh, quarter full stadiums. I, I think we saw that last year where I don't think there was ever a season where road teams were as effective as they were. Um, playing in those empty stadiums and losing that home field advantage for teams. So let's get that back to normal. Let's everybody take care of themselves um, and take care of everyone else as well. I completely agree with that, Hal. And also we have to note that the NFL is still doing everything they can by being even more strict with its on-field personnel this year, whether it be players, cheerleaders, mascots, reporters, journalists from the team media or independent media, you name it, all the on-field personnel have to take extra special precautions this year to avoid an outbreak. And uh, I think the NFL is doing right by that as well. So that is one reason to be hopeful why we can still have full capacity stands throughout the season as the on-field personnel uh, take care of themselves. And now, without further ado, let's talk about the opening game of the 2021 NFL regular season, the Cowboys and Bucks. And speaking of COVID-19, it was revealed this morning that Cowboys All-Pro guard Zach Martin tested positive and will thus miss Thursday night's regular season opener. The Bucks are currently seven and a half point favorites. Does this news make you more comfortable in betting on the defending Super Bowl champs to cover the spread? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, Tampa Bay is a load. We saw that last season. Um, once they got up to full speed, they've got everybody back. Um, you know. Dallas is working on rebuilding that defense, you know, certainly um, my, you know, potential uh, rookie defensive player of the year, Micah Parsons has looked fantastic in Dallas, but, you know, there's still a lot of work to do on that defense other than Parsons. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, we know Dallas, they need that offensive line up front when they've been successful with Dak and Zeke has been when they can protect the quarterback and make space for the running game, any injuries to that offensive line, um, you know, just swings this towards Tampa Bay. It most certainly does. And right now we're looking at a Cowboys interior offensive line of Connor Williams, 
Tyler Biotish, and Connor McGovern going against Indomitian Sioux and a fully healthy Vita Vea. That is not a good recipe on paper for the Cowboys, is it? No, that does not look good. Uh, you know, rest Zad, everybody in week one if you've got Dallas on your fantasy team. Yikes, uh, that is not a good uh, sounding matchup right there. Indeed, and you mentioned the Cowboys defense. And while Dak Prescott in his return, that remains the straw that stirs the drink at Big D. Any chances the Cowboys have at making a deep playoff run this year will hinge in large part on dramatic improvement on defense. Last season, you, you saw it. The Cowboys had arguably their worst defensive performance in the history of their franchise. And when you look for any movement in the right direction, the first place you look may be at linebacker, as you mentioned, where Micah Parsons already looks the part and like a top contender for 2021 defensive rookie of the year honors. How does Micah Parsons alone improve the Cowboys defense? Well, I mean, Parsons just is a playmaker, as we've seen. He's, you know, he can rush the quarterback. He can drop into coverage. He can stuff the running game. He can, you know, he's pretty much all over the field. Somebody that, you know, Dallas with the added speed that they've been trying to get at linebacker, um, you know, behind him, Keanu Neal, for example, they brought in in the offseason just the, the role that he can play in keeping that, um, you know, that defense to be able to make plays, conver uh, stop conversions on third down and make, get that defense off the field. I mean, it's the big thing in Dallas with all those offensive weapons, they need to be getting that offense as many opportunities to score as they can. So, uh, you know, as far as I see, Parsons, you know, impacts all three downs there on defense. I don't think you're going to see him coming off the field uh, if they can help it in Dallas. And should him, you know, just, you know, those those players that can come in and can impact all three downs like he can, hard to find in the NFL. And when you get them, you want them out there on the field. Indeed. And you mentioned Keanu Neal as well. Uh, another benefit that Keanu Neal brings is that he knows the Dan Quinn system like the back of his sand, and uh, he is going to help teach the system to a lot of the players there, both veterans and rookies alike. Yeah, exactly. It's like having another coach out on the field for them, um, and that can be very, very helpful for Dallas as well because they certainly cannot afford that defense to be out of position and looking bad, um, you know, just because of, you know, like we saw last year, the problems on that defense just sunk that team. Um, even without Dak Prescott, that was an, that was a winnable division for Dallas. Um, no excuses for them, even with Prescott hurt, not to have taken that division title. And a lot of that blame goes to the defense. Yes, and outside of uh, Michael Parsons and Keanu Neal, were there any other offseason additions the Cowboys made on defense that have you convinced they can improve to being a league, league average unit? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, those are the big two there, um, for sure. I mean, they needed a lot of help in the secondary. I don't think they went out and got as much as they should have. Um, DeMonte Kazee, I mean, they've really, um, you know, they're counting on the development of some younger players already in the system last year's yeah. second round pick Trayvon Diggs in the secondary. So um, I Calvin mean, Joseph Dallas, who's also a rookie as well. Yeah, Calvin, exactly. So, you know, there's, um, you know, I, I would have liked to see more, um, you know, cause he would, they, did they get Malik hooker too? I remember, you yeah, know, they did. um, 
yeah. So, I mean, they made a few moves, but, you know, I don't think they did enough. That secondary is, you know, going to be tested early and often in the NFL. And if defensive coordinators can smell out a weakness, you know, they're going to attack it. And I think for Dallas, you know, they've got a lot riding on some young players to step up and make some uh, big steps forward here. And, you know, um, <laughs> We'll see what happens here this year, but it's hard to disguise a bad secondary. And, you know, um, it puts a lot of pressure on your front four to, to get to the quarterback to protect that unit. And I don't know, Dallas has that up front to be able to do that. I don't know either. And uh, speaking of that Cowboys secondary, they face a very stiff challenge this Thursday night with uh, Tom Brady and that Bucks pass attack. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, Gronk, O.J. Howard, if he gets on the field for a couple snaps, Cameron Brait, oh my God, just so many mouths to be in that Tampa offense. The Cowboys are going to have their hands full. And speaking of Tom Brady, he was nothing short of essential in bringing a second Lombardi trophy to Tampa, but just as much credit must go to Todd Bowles in that defense. Heck, I thought Todd Bowles should have gotten the Super Bowl 55 MVP award. He just called a magnificent game that day, and if it was for him uh, getting the award, I would have given it to my man Shaq Barrett. Uh, it could be my Broncos bias, but... Uh, <laughs> one, but no, uh, I think he should have <laughs> Yeah, totally. And uh, this Bucks defense could actually be even better this year. As I alluded to, you have a fully healthy Vita Vea coming back, and that alone will give more freedom to Shaq Barrett and JPP coming off the edge. And in addition to the latter two, 2021 first-round pick Joe Tryon looks extremely promising. Would you be surprised to see quite a bit of NASCAR packages from Todd Bowles in this game and beyond with all three of those edge pass rushers on the field at once? I mean, the goal is, you know, especially on third down, if you've got a team in third and long is, you know, you're going to get your best players out on the field. And I don't see why they wouldn't do that. Get them out there, get after the quarterback. Um, you know, if there is a weakness to the Tampa Bay defense, I mean, we saw that. I mean, you can't call that secondary a weakness, but it's probably when, when you talk about the depth, you know, the players that they have up front, the, the linebackers, Devin White, Levante David, you know, I mean, there's no weaknesses in that front seven. So by <laughs> process of elimination, you have to say the secondary is the weakest point. And that's not a weak secondary by any NFL measure there. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you can get those speed rushers out there in obvious passing downs, I mean, you know, tell them pin their ears back and go get them. That's going to be a fun defense to watch this year. And who is better at designing creative blitzes than Todd Bowles, man? He just oh, knows geez. what to do. I mean, Todd Bowles, I mean, yeah, I mean, we ignore what happened. I mean, let's hope he, you know, the Jets are a bad fit for almost any head coach. Let's face it. You know, <laughs> he should be getting himself back into the, you know, head coaching discussion here soon. Uh, the way that he's run this defense last year. And if he can repeat that this year in Tampa Bay, um, you know, we've seen coaches, you know, come back on their second and third tries and succeed where they failed. Uh, I'd love to see Todd Bowles get another shot uh, running a team here because he's certainly shown when he has the players, his defense is fun to watch. I agree. Todd Bowles should be a head coach uh, in 2022, and that may as well be with the Bucks if Bruce Arians decides to uh, hang it up for good. And now let's talk about some of the key matchups in this game. 
One of the key matchups I'm looking for, yes, we already covered uh, the Cowboys uh, depleted interior offensive line against uh, Indomitian Sue and Vita Vea, and that puts a lot more pressure on Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup to get open and get open fast against the Grave Diggers. That is the Bucks secondary, and I think they might take your comment to note, Hal, because uh, they don't like being disrespected anymore, and that isn't a weak secondary at all. You got Carlton Davis, who is going to get paid a fortune after this season. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting, another great young corner. Jamal Dean, a great nickel corner. And uh, safeties like Antoine Winfield Jr., who could be a top five safety in the NFL within the next year or so. This is a fantastic secondary. And the Grave Diggers, uh, they have a challenge against the Cowboys threesome at wide receiver, but uh, their Cowboys receivers better get open fast or else Dak will be running for his life all night long. Yeah, you, you're exactly right there. It's a, such a tough matchup up front for Dallas. Uh, you know, that front seven from Tampa Bay, uh, you know, Todd Bowles blitz packages. It, it, it's just a tough show. I don't think they're going to be, you know, Dallas is going to be able to take pressure off by running the ball. We saw last year, uh, Tampa Bay, they can, uh, you know, lock down when necessary, whatever game plans up against them. So, you know, Dallas, it, it's not like they're, um, you know, running out pass catching tight ends. Not that you're going to do much of that with Levante David and Devin White running around in the middle of the field either. So, yeah, it's, it's a real tough matchup for Dallas here. Um, you know, again, they're going to have to count on, you know, like we said, a, a secondary that is only weak in comparison to the front seven, not to other secondaries in the NFL. Uh, and those talented Dallas wide receivers have got to get separation early, right off the line, get open and uh, crank up the yak, the yards after the catch. That's the only way Dallas has um, I, as, that I see a hope to keep it close here against Tampa Bay. Yes. And who do you think wins on Thursday night? Uh, you know, I'm not betting against Tom Brady ever. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Learned that last year if you hadn't before. So, yeah, we're picking Tampa. Yeah, I'm picking Tampa, too. I got Tampa covering the spread 34 to 20. And now let's talk about arguably the biggest game of the week, the Cleveland Browns going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. And earlier this summer, I hosted a special with my good friend Nick Kendall at milehighhuddle.com in which we ranked all 32 NFL rosters. And Nick had the Browns as the best roster in the AFC outside of Kansas City. And this game is a golden opportunity for them to show why that is the case. Do you think the Browns have a legit claim to being the most complete team in the entire AFC, not named the Chiefs? Oh, I mean, definitely. I mean, Cleveland, you know, yeah, let's not talk about the playoffs last year in Cleveland. But yeah, that team last year was good enough to make a run um, as should have, you know, pick the positional grouping. Cleveland's right there with anybody. You want to talk running backs? You got Chubb and Hunt there, you know? Baker Mayfield, we know what he can do at quarterback. Offensive line, one of the strengths of the unit. Uh, you got Odell Beckham coming back this year. You had, you know, uh, rookie Donovan People Jones, Rashad Higgins. Um, you still have Jarvis Landry there. You've got talent on that offense. You go on the other side of the ball, you bring in Clowney to line up opposite Miles Garrett. Tack McKinley's there as well. You know, Malik Jackson in the middle. Malik I mean, McDowell. Oh, sorry. 
McDowell. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, strengths all the way across. You want to go to the secondary, you know, you've got Denzel Ward still out there, Greedy Williams, you got Greg Newsome now. I mean, find a weakness, you know, I, I, I can't find one, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it is very, very difficult to find a weakness on this Browns team, especially after they loaded up in the secondary this offseason. And don't forget, John Johnson III, a criminally underrated yes. safety that the Browns uh, paid quite a bit to to have him come over to Cleveland. He will be a special last line of defense for what I think will be a top 10 defense this year. Yeah, and Troy Hill as well. Oh, the slot corner, absolutely. Yeah, Troy you Hill, know, man. exactly. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just you just look at every position and you go, I don't see any weaknesses here. You know, why isn't this team, you know, they should be pushing Kansas City, you know? I, yeah, but, I expect them to. Yeah, I expect a very close game here. And don't forget their second-round pick, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, a chess yeah. piece for them on defense. Exactly. You know, uh, one of those players, you can move him around where you need him, covering tight end, blitzing, um, you know, does it all you know swiss army knife type of defender it should be a great fit on that defense should be indeed and what key matchups are you looking forward to at arrowhead next sunday well i mean kansas city is going to have to cover all those wide receivers and they're going to have to uh try to stop that running game as well uh cleveland just it has the ability to just take over the game with those running backs there so uh kansas city uh you've got to look at that uh Front seven there, um, rookie Nick Bolton, Chris Jones, Jaron Reed, those guys up front. If they can slow down that Kansas City running game and make the, uh, the sorry, Kansas City can slow down the Browns running game and make them one dimensional. Uh, that's a, a big, big win for Kansas City. You keep Cleveland from controlling the clock. You get more opportunities uh, for Patrick Mahomes in that offense, uh, more possessions. That's a win-win in Kansas City. So I think that um, Kansas, Kansas City front seven, stop the run, pressure Mayfield. They can do that. They're in great shape. Yeah, and that specifically brings me to that underrated Browns interior offensive line. Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller at guards and J.C. Treader at center against Chris Jones and Jaron Reed. That could be the matchup that decides this game alone. But let's flip roles for a second. I also like the Chiefs' new interior offensive line with rookie Creed Humphrey at center, uh, rookie Trey Smith at one guard position, and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif uh, coming back uh, from the front lines against COVID to play the other guard position for the Chiefs against uh, that Browns' interior pass rush with uh, Malik McDowell and those other bodies they added in the offseason. And obviously, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. going against either Miles Garrett or Jadevian Clowney, uh, that uh, matchup also could be decisive in this game. So both teams in the trenches could decide this game, and that is not being hyperbolic. Exactly. No, I agree. It, it, like we always talk about, David, games are won and lost. On those offensive and defensive lines, they may not get the glory, but they're the most important players week in and week out. Indeed. And who do you think wins this Sunday in Kansas City? Um, you know, I. it seems almost impossible to pick against the Chiefs in a full Arrowhead Stadium. Um, you know, the crowd makes such an impact into the game. I'm just going to say, you know, I, everything tells me to pick Cleveland, but I just can't pick against Kansas City at home. I'm just not going to do it. 
Um, you know, let's let's bring it down to a last minute field goal, maybe one of those, you know, Patrick Mahomes 40 second drives at the end of the game uh, to get him into range. But I'm going to have Kansas City pulling it out by one or two points over Cleveland. Yeah, I have the Chiefs uh, winning over Cleveland 27 to 24, let's call it. And now let's analyze the rest of these week one games, starting with Robert Sala's New York Jets taking on Matt Rule, Sam Darnold, and the Carolina Panthers, two teams that I am very bullish on in the long run. And as long as the Panthers solve their uh, quarterback conundrum uh, long-term, I'll be just as bullish on them as I am on the Jets. This uh, promises to be a very, very intriguing game. It could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a high-scoring shootout or a low-scoring defensive struggle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the fun of week one is that, you know, Teams aren't showing a lot in the preseason. We're down to three preseason games instead of four. Um, You know, reporters are limited on what they can take out of these joint practices as far as details. So, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, You know, it's a surprise for everyone here. So, yeah, I mean, both, it's definitely got the potential and you've got the whole, you know, Sam Darnold revenge game coming on here as well. So, uh, Darnold with McCaffrey revenge game. I am leaning towards Carolina in this one. I think they win by, uh, say six points here in this one, 27, 21 Carolina. This is a truly a coin flip for me. There's every reason to believe the jets are going to win. And there's every reason to believe the Panthers are going to win, but there are these extraneous factors that you can't quantify. And I think the jets are going to be playing, um, for pride on the 20th anniversary of nine 11. And the first Muslim head coach coaching his first ever game as a head coach wants to let it be known that he is a historic figure by making history by winning that first game. And given the Jets advantage at the quarterback position, because I believe Zach Wilson is better than Sam Donald at the moment, I am going to go with the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 23 to 16 over the Carolina Panthers in week one. And now the battle of the birds, the lowly birds, I will say, because these two teams are expected to be picking top 10 in the draft come April. The Eagles traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Jalen Hurts versus Matt Ryan. What do you think? You know, it's going to be weird seeing the Falcons without Julio Jones. I mean, you just expect him to be part of that team. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a rebuild in both places here. Um tough choice here in this one uh atlanta at home uh matt ryan the seasoned vet at quarterback i think i gotta lean to the falcons here i got them uh beating the eagles 24 to 17 i am gonna go the opposite again hal i have the eagles winning this game because i personally think the eagles are much better equipped up front and matt ryan you know he's a uh throwback pocket type passer and I think the Eagles front still overwhelms that offensive line of the Falcons and the Eagles eke out a 26 to 23 victory in Atlanta. And if you want strength versus strength, check out the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert and that offense taking on the Washington football team and that amazing young defense in Landover, Maryland this weekend. Easily one of the best matchups of the week. Oh yeah. This should be a fun one here. Um, definitely. Um, the young gun versus the grizzled bet at the quarterback position. Um, you know, Washington is the defending uh, NFC East champions here as well. They're 
you know, the football team. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not picking against Herbert, though. I think the Chargers, extremely talented on both sides of the, the ball. Derwin James back. Um, Chargers, you, you might see a little Fitz magic bring making it close, but Chargers take it 27-24. That's the simpatico. Hey, I personally believe it's going to be a very, very close game given how strong both of these teams are roster-wise, but it all comes down to who the quarterback is at the end of the day. And yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick might have the best season of his career at 39 years young, but Justin Herbert is a rising super stud at the position. And I expect him to solidify himself as one of the top five quarterbacks in the entire NFL by the end of this season. And he starts with a hard fought 27, 24 win over the Washington football team, as you said. So we both have the chargers over Washington. The 49ers, who still have Super Bowl aspirations, taking on the rebuilding Detroit Lions. I think this is a no-brainer. I'm going 49ers all day long here uh, it, it pretty easily, too. The Lions might keep it close for a little bit, but I think the Niners pull away in the end by out-physicaling uh, uh, Dan Campbell's uh, unit. It's going to take a while for Dan Campbell's unit to grow into kneecap-biting masters, so to speak. Uh, so the 49ers, I have them winning 34-14. to 14. Yeah, pretty close to uh, simpatico on this one as well, David. I had it 30 to 10 San Francisco over Detroit. Um, yeah, Lions are looking at a long rebuild here, unfortunately, for the Motor City. But uh, yeah, San Francisco, they're going to be fun to watch this year. I'm looking forward to uh, the 49ers getting back into the, uh, the talk for a uh, potential playoff team and see what they can do this year. So easy win, I think, out of the gates. The Chicago Bears aren't the only bottom five offensive line in the league that I am very worried about this week. I am very worried about the Bengals offensive line this week. Ooh. They didn't improve it as well as they should have this offseason, and now you got to face Daniil Hunter and that amazing Vikings defensive line, retooled Vikings defensive line, because you now got Michael Pierce back. And uh, you got uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. Oh, my God, Joe Burrow, please stay healthy in this game and throughout the season. I am only praying for you, Joe Burrow, to be the quarterback that I believed you were going to be coming into the NFL. But uh, you're going to have to be very careful this week against the Vikings. Agreed, agreed. I think a lot of uh, Cincinnati fans are going to feel that regret of passing on Penny Sewell here this season. And Rashawn Slater, um, too. Don't forget him. Oh, yeah, and Slater as well. Exactly. Uh, you know, so you know, two very talented offensive linemen going the right past Cincinnati. Uh, Jamar Chase, you better figure out those dropsies and stop making some big plays here because <laughs> you're going to be hearing it. But yeah, I, I'm with you this one. I don't think it's going to be uh, very close at all either. I have uh, Minnesota in a blowout 37 to 14. I don't think the Vikings win by that lopsided a margin, but I do agree they win by uh, two scores. I'm going to say Vikings 27 to 13. So we're almost simpatico there, but almost, huh? so we both like the Vikings over the Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers and what is probably Ben Roethlisberger's swan song traveling to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and the bills. I do expect the Steelers defense to make this a very close game throughout most of the game, but I think the bills pull away in the end, Josh Allen, 27 to 17 over the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the Steelers, I mean, you, you look at that team and you say, how many times year after year do they just keep rolling it out there, winning, 
they just don't have losing seasons in Pittsburgh. Let's just accept that as a fact of the Mike Tomlin era. He's never going to have a losing season. It's never going to happen. <laughs> I, I mean, you can, I mean, Mike Tomlin is one of those coaches that, you know, you, you just listen to him talk. You don't have to know anything about football. You listen to him talk for 10 seconds and you're ready to run through a wall for the man. And you understand why these teams play for Mike Tomlin. Um, yeah, if, if I was going to pick an upset special, David, this might be the one right here. You know, I, you know, Buffalo, it's, it's, you know, you're at home. Everybody's going to be breaking tables out in the parking lot. It's going to be a great scene to celebrate. Um, but boy, you know, it's, you know, Pittsburgh strong on both sides of the ball, you know, uh, they could cause a little bit of trouble, you know, a little bit of pass rush pressure there. TJ I can see it. You know what? Let's pick it as the upset special. Pittsburgh, last second field goal, 27-24. That's my upset special right there. That is a very fair prediction because uh, the Steelers have shown that they are the model of consistency in the National Football League year in and year out, as you said. And if you like offensive shootouts, this game has shootout written all over it. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals traveling to Tennessee to take on Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and the Tennessee Titans. Who do you have in this game? I'm taking Tennessee, but, you know, again, this is, like you said, this is, you know, bet the over on this one, please. You're talking two great offenses, two questionable defenses here. You know, what are you getting with these defenses? I'm, I, You know, I'd love to see Arizona take that next step. I, I think Cliff Kingsbury is a great young offensive genius, you know, here in the NFL. Kyler Murray, number one overall pick. There's so much talent there. Um, but at the same time, you know, again, you're looking forward to a lot of track meets because I think there's going to be a lot of track meets there with that defense on both sides of the ball here. It is definitely a bet the over kind of game. I'm going to take Tennessee as edging them out, uh, let's say 35-31 over Arizona. I'm going to go with more points. I'm going with the Titans 41-37 to over the Arizona Cardinals. It's going to be that high scoring of the game. And uh, the biggest difference uh, is the Titans are at home, and uh, the Cardinals' secondary is absolute garbage uh, now that Malcolm Butler has retired. And, yes, the Titans' secondary isn't that much better, but they've got some promising young pieces back there with uh, rookies Caleb Farley and Elijah Molden, who I expect both of them to grow a lot uh, this season. And staying in the... AFC South and NFC West. The Seahawks and Russell Wilson trailing to Indy to take on the Colts, and it looks like Carson Wentz is going to be playing after all. Yeah, nothing like having your your big acquisition quarterback have almost zero practice time with your starters. That's going to be uh, fun. Um, you know, I'm not. I Indy trading for Carson Wentz. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this one months later. You know, I, I don't, you know, the only way I see this is if we look back at Philadelphia and say it was all Frank Reich. It was all Frank Reich. It wasn't anybody else there. He's the offensive genius who's going to turn Wentz around. I'm not convinced yet. I think Seattle's going to walk in there and have a pretty easy win. I've got Seattle 27 to 13 over Indy. I am going to go with a bold upset special here. Oh, all right. Paul writing off the Colts as 
being destined to pick in the top 10 of the 2022 NFL draft when Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson went down. But both are practicing, and there's a legit chance we could see both in week one. And the Colts are a team that surprises people very often. They surprised us last year with an upset win over the Green Bay Packers at home. And I expect them, knowing how hard they play for Frank Wright each time to play as hard as they can, and I think they barely eke out an upset win over Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, 24-23. to And now, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, as there was any doubt, I knew he would be starting, and that Gardner Minshew uh, brouhaha was only trying to up his trade value. That's all it turned out to be. Them going to Houston to take the Texans. I am ready to lock in this pick as my lock of the week. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars just tear the Texans to shreds and showing that this Texas team is probably even worse than the expansion Texans team of 2002. (laughs) It's that bad. Jaguars in a romp over the Texans 35 to three. This is my lock of the week. I like it. I'm picking Jacksonville as well. Nothing that extreme, David. I'll leave you out there on the extreme. I've got it. A little bit closer. I've got Jacksonville 20 to 13 over the, yes, they look like an expansion team, Houston Texans. And now on to the rest of the afternoon games, the Saints hosting the Packers in Jacksonville. And once again, all our prayers are with everybody in New Orleans and on the Gulf Coast as you recover from Hurricane Ida. I think the Packers uh, have an easier win against the Saints this year than they did at the Superdome last year uh, because uh, uh, if this is the last dance, I fully expect Aaron Rodgers and company to start the season off with the biggest bang possible, and I think they do it. It, it They trade scores a bit in the first half, but then the Packers uh, clamp down on defense, and Rodgers and company just run away with the game in the second half. Uh, we'll say Packers 31, Saints 17. Exactly how I drew it up as well in my head, David. Uh, simpatico alert. Sound the alarm. <laughs> I saw New Orleans staying close early on, a lot of emotion on that sideline on that team uh, after Hurricane Ida and uh, just Green Bay just having too much taking over in the second half, uh, 30 to 20 Green Bay over New Orleans. And now the match between the last two Crimson Tide quarterbacks uh-huh. to a Oilo and the Miami Dolphins traveling to Foxborough to take on the Mac Daddy, Mac Jones, and the New England Patriots. And this is almost a toss-up to me because both these teams uh, run very similar systems and they've got uh, similar levels of talent on both sides of the ball, but the tie in this case goes to the home team. I am going to take the Patriots 23 to Miami 14. I'm with you on this one, David. Uh, You know, like I said earlier in the show, Mac Jones won that job. He's been better than advertised. He looks like a legitimate first-round draft pick quarterback. He's handled everything that's been thrown at him. And really, you know, when you step back and look at the situation and say, is, if there was one perfect landing spot for Mac Jones in the NFL, what was the best-case scenario? Go to a team with a strong running game, a strong offensive line in front of him, a, a solid defense where you're not putting too much on his shoulders. You're not expecting him to throw 400 yards a game uh, to win the game. It's a perfect situation putting him there with Bill Belichick. And, and for Belichick, this gets him back to, you know, 20 years ago, right where he loves it. Give me that strong defense. 
give me that running game, controlling the clock, the quarterback who doesn't make mistakes. Uh, it's just classic Belichick. And, and like you said, this is a great matchup with Miami because I do see two teams that are very, very similar. Uh, Brian Flores cut from the Bill Belichick cloth. Looks like, you know, that rare coach who's going to leave New England and actually do well after all those other coaches have failed before him. Uh, again, you know, such a strong personality, uh, intelligent, defensive genius. Uh, Flores checks all the boxes. It is a toss up. The Patriots are the home team. We'll give them the edge in the two of V Mac matchup here. Uh, a close one, uh, a little more high scoring than I think people expect. I'll have New England 31 to 27 over Miami. Ooh, that would be a very, very good game there. And if you like defense, you'll probably love watching the Broncos and Giants face off against each other. These are two of the 10 best defenses in the NFL and two quarterbacks uh, known for being middling, so to speak. Uh, this could be the lowest scoring game of the week with the Broncos and Giants. And I have gone back and forth in my head over this. Yeah, the Giants are going to be playing with emotion because of 911. Uh, if Drew Locke were starting this game, I would probably pick the Giants, but you got a caretaker in Teddy Bridgewater who best complements the defense the Broncos have, and Daniel Jones is known as a turnover machine, and given the fact that the Giants' offense is not off to a good start whatsoever and Saquon Barkley is not going to be quite 100%, I will give the ever-so-slightest edge of the Broncos, but I could change my mind when I release my picks later this week, but for now, I'm going with the Broncos in a low-scoring 16-13 to game. Oh, David, no, no, no. Those turnovers are going to lead to points. Denver's going to skate through, run out the clock in the second half, have it easy. 26-10 Broncos over the Giants. Uh, I hope you're right and I'm wrong. <laughs> well, we shall see. And my other favorite team, the Chicago Bears, taking on the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday Night Football. And Matt Nagy, you did the country a disservice by playing Andy Dalton in that game instead of Justin Fields, which is what not only Bears fans, but most of the country wants to see. This is going to be a pathetic Sunday Night Football game. Uh, the Bears offensive line is just going to get outdueled all night long, and the Bears' secondary is astonishingly weak. Going up against Matthew Stafford in that passing game, unless Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks go crazy, Stafford's just going to tear them apart. This game is going to be boring from the get-go. Let's say 28-10 to 10 Rams. Uh, it's going to be worse than that. Shut off the TV at halftime. Get to bed nice and early. Rams 34-3 to 3 over the Bears. It's a shellacking. Okay, and uh, I kind of, am, even though I'm a Bears fan, I'm kind of hoping for an outcome like that because that'll <laughs> get Justin Fields on the field sooner rather than later. Exactly. That'll definitely help in that, that cause. And last but not least, the Las Vegas Raiders in the first game with fans at Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada, host Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And Derek Carr is uh, single-handedly keeps the Raiders uh, in the game each week. And that's how important he is to that team. But the Raiders on defense, they're just so, so bad. And I am not convinced they made the right upgrades uh, this offseason to, to a Gus Bradley defense that is kind of going by the wayside in terms of popularity around the league, so to speak. And uh, I think the Ravens, even without J.K. Dobbins, should be able to exploit that. It's going to be close during the first half, but I think the Ravens and their running game uh, pull it out in the second half. And the Raiders, I mean, the Ravens win 21 to 10 over the Raiders. Yeah, I, I don't know what the Raiders were doing. I mean, this team was built around that offensive line, and they just started giving away pieces this 
offseason for next to nothing. I, I don't know what was going on there. Um, yeah, it, and like you said, I mean, that that's exactly what it is here uh, for Las Vegas is a lot of pressure on Derek Carr to keep them close. I mean, they've got some real weapons there and Darren Waller, you've got, um, you know, those young wide receivers that they've invested in Renfro and rugs there as well. Um, they've definitely got talent in that position uh, and on offense, but again, you know, offensive line defense. I, I just don't see this team as a, a legitimate threat in the West. And I certainly don't see them um, knocking off a team such as the Ravens who are so solid on both sides of the ball. I think it's an easy win for the Ravens. I think they skate through 30 to 13 over the Raiders. And it's time for our weekly bowl predictions. What is your bowl prediction for week one, Hal? I say uh, bold prediction here. Let's see. Oh, geez, you caught me napping here. Let's just say uh, it's a, uh, let's say Matthew Stafford, 300 plus yards at halftime against the Bears, making this one a snoozer. That was what I was calling with the Rams. Uh, yeah, let's call it 300 yards, four touchdowns, and that's at the half. Stafford doesn't even have to play the fourth quarter. Um, bold prediction there. Matthew Stafford looking like the MVP in week one. And I'm going to stay with that game for my bold predictions. Andy Dalton gets sacked. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, oh, 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 not eight. Oh, not nine, but 10 oh. times by the Rams. And that will force the Bears to turn to Justin Fields in the second half and ride him the rest of the way for this season and beyond. That is my bold prediction for week one. And now it's time for challenge flags. And I will go first here. And I would like to challenge the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, if this is indeed the last dance with Aaron Rodgers, play like it. From start to finish on Sunday, just go out and dominate the Saints, regardless of what that final score says. Just come away with the win, believing that you dominated them from start to finish on both sides of the ball and in every facet of the game. Um, right. My challenge flag, that's going to the Cincinnati Bengals organization. Keep Joe Burrow upright. Run the ball. Quick passes. Get the ball out of his hands. Keep him behind center. We want to see great quarterbacks play in the NFL. We don't want them on injured reserve. Do what you have to do, Cincinnati. Get him on the field. Keep him on the field. Keep him upright. That's all we're asking. We don't need to see you're an offensive genius, Zach Taylor. We need you to have your quarterback start 17 games this year. He is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen. You can catch his work at Full Press Coverage and BostonSportPage.com. Hal, thank you so much once again, and that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we will be back next week to recap week one, preview week two, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow Hal on Twitter at HalBent01. You can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and Instagram at SportsCrunchWithDCrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane. And if you haven't done so yet, please get your COVID-19 vaccine. I promise you that it will literally help save your life. But if you don't want a vaccine, please do whatever is required to protect yourself and your friends. Take care, cats, kittens, and stay cool. <laughs>